Hello and welcome to Opening the Gates to More Listings for Estate Agents with me, Simon Gates, and Levi Fowler and Julian Powell. Guys, thank you very much for joining me. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. It's a it's a bit of a strange one having uh, having the two of you on, but you come as a bit of a double team, don't you? Yeah, we're like um, Bill and Ted for the older heads. Yin and Yang, someone <laughs> described us as, which we still laugh about. Yeah, we now. get all the time. Well, no fun. We got it once actually. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I I get that. So I actually want to start the conversation uh, by just going back in time to your days at correct me if I'm wrong, Preston Baker. That's where you met, yeah. That's it. Because I listened to the podcast you recorded with Sam Ashdown and there were some bits in there. I was like, I didn't know that about those guys, considering we've we've known each other for a few months now. So uh, I just want to start it with you came to the end of your time there and decided to go and launch your your own estate agency. So for anyone listening who's, you know, thinking of moving to a new area, setting up a new office, going self-employed, taking the branch manager's job, can you talk us through, like, what were the conversations like you guys were having, the emotions going through your head? Go on, I'll let you go. Because I know you're no, no, you go, you go, you go. So I, w- I was raring to go, and Julian was a bit reserved. <laughs> yeah. You are you are so, joking now, aren't you? Because Julian yeah. quit the job before you did, right? Yeah, there you go. So, <laughs> so, so we... One thing that Preston Baker is really good at is training their um, their agents, and we got put onto like a course where it was about business, about sales, and about estate agency. But um, the director brought in loads of industry professionals, so we had Tony Morris, we had Peter Knight, um, Pete Wilkinson was in there as well. But anyway, they mushed together like a course, and that's when we first got talking about setting up an agency. Um, and we met like once a week, just planning what we're going to do. And then that was for four months before we then handed in our notice. August, right? And then handed the notice in January. So, yeah, um, the conversations were quite easy because for us, we were working in a corporate, a more corporate company. Mm. And they obviously were doing well with what they were doing in terms of their marketing, in terms of canvassing. And we just were like, yeah, so when we start, we'll do this, we'll do this, we'll do this, and we'll get listings, and then the phone will start ringing, and we'll build a team, blah, 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 blah. Um, but the what's, the, what's the word I'm looking for? Me just being nervous, probably, more than anything, but it turned to be the right decision. We then started to speak to Keller Williams. So we first set up, and we were a Keller, Keller Williams agent, and for us, it was helping us because of the financial side, it took away a lot of the, the pain with regards to right move to play, monthly costs yeah. and everything else. So our conversations were more about finance, how we're going to get the money together, and then just how we're going to smash it by canvassing and get lots of listings. So just at the start there, you mentioned about finances. Um, and we sort of joked about this uh, yesterday, Levi, when we were on the call together. Can you just let the listeners in on the the learnings you had at the start from a business loan point of view? Yeah. So um, we we didn't have the money ourselves. We were looking at what we could do to be able to raise the money, and we went for a loan, looked at all different companies, and, of course, being a new business, no one would give us money, so I had to go on there and black market to find the loan. <laughs> and we, um, we got one in the end, but 
uh, what's the word you what did they front loaded the interest <laughs> so we got a 20 grand loan and it was against my mum's house at the time oh, um, did <laughs> oh did you not no yeah so <laughs> so, so again short short version we had to meet my mum a director to, wow. to get them so she was a director um, briefly and um, got the loan against her house and then set sail from there was she not getting enough listings, so you, you removed her from being a director? As soon as I possibly could do, she came <laughs> off the business. As soon as we could. Yeah, she came off straight away. She, she was retired at, the, at, at that time. She was retired as well, so, yeah. So on something you'd said there, uh, on on the, the, the loan side, um, we mentioned, we're talking about Stephen Bartland, Diver CEO, before we get the board, and he recorded an episode a while ago with one of the founders of BrewDog, if my if my memory is correct, and one of the founders of Brewdog was basically saying how he went to a bank and I can't remember who it was, but let's just think the first one comes to my head. He went to HSBC and said, "Oh, um, Santander have agreed to lend me half a million pounds for this business." They hadn't, but HSBC went, "Yeah, we'll match them." Really? Yeah, literally. That that's what he said in the podcast. He said he went into a bank and said, "This other bank, who's competition of yours, they've agreed to lend me five hundred grand. Will you match it?" And they went, "Yeah, right. It went brilliant. I'll go with you then." There was never, um, there was never wow. a bank. And he said on the podcast, he's like, "By the way, if my bank manager, because we still bank this bank, if they're listening, sorry." Wow. Well, I wish we. I wish that episode was released a few years ago now. Because <laughs> yeah, it was tough for us. So first question I've got for you, Julian, how, why on earth did you let Levi get his name first in Fowler and Powell? How did you say, Simon? Well, well how, yeah, how come his name came first? You know what? I'm, normally I'd bite at this, but I'm going <laughs> to give you the, the honest answer. So it was nothing more than it simply rolled off the tongue better, Fowler and Powell, as opposed to Powell and Fowler, you know, but people still get confused every single time they learn our name as well. So it's it's never Fowler and Powell. It's Fowlers and Powlers. It's <laughs> Fowl and Powler. It's it's all all anything but the actual company name, isn't it? So yeah, it was it was it was a pointless two probably two day exercise that we spent on it anyway. So yeah. So, so it, it, kind of in an indirect way, you kind of people are remembering your brand as the, the they're remembering it as the one they can't pronounce. They can't think yeah, of yeah, the tongue twister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to just change it to F and P. To be fair, that should be our slogan: the tongue twisting agent. No, definitely not because I don't know. that might go down the wrong way. Yeah, wow. they're just got terrible reps. something, yeah. something like that. <laughs> um, so going back to the start of the business. Where where did the first listings come from? How did you how did you get off the ground? That's a very good question. Um, the first listing actually came. So we were when Don't we were get the first instruction. The first instruction was was it door knocking? No, it was canvassing. It was canvassing, yeah. Yeah. So we we again long story short as possible. We printed off loads and loads of these letters. The, like the worst that you can possibly think of. Mm. Just saying, we're a new agent in the area. Blah blah blah. These are our names. This is what we do. Yada yada yada. Um, and we went round canvassing, posting them through, like physically posting them through letterbox letterboxes, and um, 
we genuinely thought the, the phone was broken because no one called. We like genuinely, we thought the phone was broken. Um, and then it was canvassing, wasn't it? Um, yeah, so then eventually, though, Julian did get um, a valve from it and then went round and then got the listing straight away, but it didn't go on the market because the owner had second thoughts or some nonsense. Um, the first listing came from when we were um, when we were meeting up and we were still at Preston Baker, we used to meet at a bar, um, like a local one, and a guy who I knew from school parked up in a like a brand new Mercedes. Like, I don't even know what they are. I don't even know what it is. Like, you see in James Bond, it was some brand new Mercedes anyway. And he came into this bar, and as he was leaving, I said, I've got to speak to him. And I said to him, what on earth do you do now to have that car? And he said, oh, it's not mine, it's his. And there's a guy next to him I didn't even notice, because obviously I was more focused on him. And um, when we were trying to the friend, we told him like what we were doing and like what we were thinking of. And he said, I'm gonna be your first your first listing. And then sure as eggs are eggs, he actually was. Um he came he came back to us when we first set up and he yeah, we'd listed his house. 140 grand. So you so sorry, 140 grand was the fee or the value of the house? Yeah, I wish it was the fee. <laughs> the value of the house. <laughs> so so, so two things I've I've learned from what you said there. One, so typical estate agent going in the bars and doing businesses there whilst getting pissed. So I like that. <laughs> um, but secondly, you you just went and asked that question. Like you you can you can go and chuck out all these leaflets and stuff and think my phone's broken, it's not ringing. But actually, in a bar and go, that guy's driving a nice car. I know him. I'm going to ask him a direct question. Yeah. Because it, it yeah. is the more conversations you have with people in this industry, the more likely you're to do business. So I was, I obviously had uh, Lauren on the podcast um, and she said that her first listing came from ringing through her telephone book and saying, hey, I'm back as an agent. Do you know anyone thinking of moving? And the first listing came from a friend who introduced it to someone. So again, yeah. it was, let me go and speak to the people I already know. And if I live in this area where I'm selling houses, then hopefully it's going to lead me to people wanting to move house yeah 100% well yeah and do you think so you, you mentioned about your days at um Preston Baker and you mentioned your uh Tony Morris Pete and I like list goes on you drop in some some big industry names there like how can I put this the agent where I worked uh and it was a, a, a large independent dozen dozen branches there wasn't like external training really like like that where you'd get those names kind of come in or oh you should go watch these webinars so did that kind of change your mindset because i don't know about you like i wasn't i couldn't wait to get out of school and go and be an estate agent weirdly but i do so much more reading and learning now at 32 years of age than i than i ever did at school so do you see where i'm like coming from there like with it Um, I don't know about Julian, but for me, so I used to work really closely with, with the director. So I'd see firsthand like what he'd do day to day. And um, he used to do, or still does triathlons. So he had a coach for triathlons. <laughs> he also had a business coach and he would openly talk about it. And I think the learning came from that, from understanding that someone as successful as how he was and portrayed and whatever else still had someone to learn from. And I think it was that. And then it got to the point where we used to share like podcasts and book books that we both read with each other. 
Um, so my 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 mindset changed from working at Preston Baker for sure, um, and it just further enhanced me working with him. Yeah, cool. And what about you, Julian? Um, probably subconsciously, I guess it came from my family. So my okay. dad ran his own business. Um, my grandmother ran her own property business. Um, and that never really interested me, not in the slightest. And then, um, I, I graduated for, well, I say graduated, I, I passed college and then I was about to go into university and passing college for me, by the way, is a big thing. Yeah. Big thing. Um, and I, I went, I went and spoke to my dad and my dad at the time, he said, why don't you come and work for me and you can be a wireman. And I was like, what the hell is a wireman? Yeah, what's that? And anyway, I mean, it, it is what it says on the tin. It's a, it's a wire man. You know, I deal with wires. So I learn how to install electrical wiring because he designs and builds broadcasting studios, or at least he did. That was his business. So he said, why don't you come be a wireman for me? I said, oh, sounds great. And he goes, well, you need to learn how to design on the computer because they use something called 3DS Max, which was a design program app back then. Um, but it was a really, really detailed, intricate one. So anyway, long story short, I decided to study BA New Media, Bachelor of Arts New Media. And within that, there was some, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Components of the course. What's the word I'm looking for? I know what you mean. Modules. Modules, that's it. There were a few modules in there that would teach me design or, you know, coding, backend sort of stuff. So I was like, perfect. And anyway, did that, finished the year. And then even though I passed, I thought that is absolutely not for me. So dropped out and then studied theatre and performance, passed that. And then when I finished university, I went on holiday. And I'm sure there'll be a few people that listen to this will probably raise their eyebrows and go, yeah, typical. But it was when I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah. yeah. And it was like a it was it was like an overwhelming light bulb moment. It was like I, I finished the book and I put it down. And I think the first thing I did was sit there just for a few hours and just think about what I want from life and how I don't want to be in the rat race and how I want something more for, at the time, me personally, because I didn't have a family then or anything. And then it just sort of grew from there. So I think in the younger years, subconsciously, it was probably my family. Later on in the life, uh, it was actually a book. Mm. Funny how it can be that. Like, uh, yeah, a, a, a book that can be that light, light switch. Um, for, for me, you mentioned about the, the Keller Williams days. I remember reading The One Thing by Gary Keller. Yeah. And like, I, I couldn't put it down. I read it really quickly and I was like, it's making a lot of sense. And I think shortly after that, I then read, oh, what's it called? Uh, it's like Straight Line Selling, Jordan Belfort is in Wolf of Wall Street, like the poster I've got on yeah, my wall. Yeah. Uh, so I was a big, big fan of the big fan of the film. And then I read his book and I was like, as much as, you know, he did a lot of dodgy, illegal stuff. There's some very, very clever sales and, and, and business stuff. Yeah, in that. Smart, right, to be fair. yeah. And um, but just on something you said about Rich Dad, Poor Dad, if, if there's agents listening to this who haven't read it, I strongly recommend they do. I've got a very quick, uh, funny story about that. I went to buy it online and um, I thought, God, that is really cheap. I'm going to get that one. When it came through, it was like a pocket size version of the book. <laughs> uh, and that's why it was so cheap. Um, so always read the small print uh, on that. Um, so, yeah, I got a little bit mugged off there. Um, 
and just just on on the point of like open mind and growth mindset um levi you put a post up the other day on i think on facebook and saying uh book recommendations you wanted so yeah got those book recommendations you've then gone out and bought them and i'm sure you've already started reading or you've chosen one to read so you guys are not the finished articles you're still still looking forward and wanting to develop further yeah always i mean one of the things you mentioned earlier on is about conversations we have a lot of conversations we've got our own business coach as well we've got a couple of masterminds that we're part of and one of the big things we always pick up on is learning and everyone's always done something better than what you have and always and not always made mistakes as well but they always recommend books that they've read that have helped them come to decisions that they've come to so i'm always on the lookout for new books and as you said i, I asked and i must have got about between eight and ten and when i posted the picture of the books that i then bought yeah. i then got people recommending even more to me so i've got loads and my, my uh, my goal is a book a month, which I'm gonna have to speed up now, and then um, maybe do two a month with what I've been sent. So yeah, but it's always about um, developing and growing for sure. Well, there's a public accountability uh, that you've just said in the podcast. You need to read one or two books a month. And Julian's already given us Rich Dad Poor Dad. Of the books you've already read, is there one that that you'd recommend agents should be reading? Um. Trying to think of one that's not been mentioned on the podcast, and I'm not sure if it has, but Influence by Robert, Robert Calvini. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that I think that's a great book to understand, and also um, Built to Sell. Built to Sell, even if you're not, even if you're not planning on selling your business, building it in a way where it is sellable. Yeah. And what you could do to make it sellable, um, yeah, that book's amazing. It's so easy because it's just like a story, so it's simple, but it's a yeah, great book to read. Brilliant, good shouts. And this is going to be a really selfish question. I don't normally ask this, but this is a first because I've got three guests on the podcast at the same time, so I'm going to ask it. When when we first uh, sort of spoke to each other on Zoom, what what was it about like me and potentially working with me where you went yeah we should spend some time with this guy like let him you know chat to our agent so that he can work with them it's by accident to be honest with you we sent an email <laughs> you'd been, it, it you'd been... Cut, right it, it cut out there so say that again <laughs> by, it was by accident and then the, no, i missed the tagline it cut out a perfect moment. I just said, I said, we, we didn't mean to do it. We sent an email and it meant to go to somebody else, but you ended up getting it. So it was fault, whatever. Um, now, to be completely honest, you'd been bigged up a lot um, before we'd even known who you were. And it was um, Tanya, Tanya Baker. So she's part of one of the masterminds that we're in. And she mentioned you, I think you were at home search at the time. And I just assumed she meant home search because she said you, but from home search. <laughs> so then I contacted home search and I thought, oh, I've got a different account manager, so it's fine. And then when I saw her again, she had mentioned you again in passing. And I was like, I've got a different guy. And then obviously when, when you went set up um, opening the gates, I didn't realize, right, you are the guy. So that's when I think Lauren set up a, a meeting yeah. with you. And I was like, I've heard this guy's name too much. And then we just obviously sat down and then from there I was like, right, I get it. So yeah, it, my mind, or our minds, well, in fact, no, my mind was already made up before. So yeah. Should bloody charge you more. 
should have known that. Um, <laughs> so so um, that's it. That's interesting to hear that because I didn't know that 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 first bit. Um, but it, it goes to show again, like you, I don't know, making your own luck. Like in that bar, you ask that question to that guy, and for me, you know, I've I've indirectly like Tanya's been a salesperson for me there, if that makes sense. Like your yeah. reputation is what someone says about you when you're not in a room rather than when you're in it. Um, I think that's a, a very common line you. So, um, yeah, my head's not going to fit out the door after. <laughs> Thank you for that. So, so going forward then, um, so uh, Fowler and Powell, then it's earlier this year, start of this year, you went down the route of the home movement. Yeah. So, so talk to us about that, because there's, and the reason I say that, sorry, let me just get the, the reason I say that is what I'm finding is you've obviously got, uh, we've had the, let's call it the online hybrid space, because that's what people in our industry call it. You've had corporate, you've got high street independent, you've got self-employed models. And what I am finding myself, and I don't know about you guys, and I might be slightly answering the question is, there seems to be high street independents who are then going hang on a minute over the past few years with covid it is making more sense that everyone's kind of mindset is like changed and perhaps wanting to work for themselves and stuff so there seems to be a high street agent having a foot in each camp with that yeah. so how how did it how did it come about and how do you see things um well we we knew lauren from working with keller williams and Lauren, Lauren's life took a, a a different direction at the time, and she basically, we we all came together over a coffee, and we just got chatting, and we really liked how Lauren worked with Keller Williams while we were with them. Um, we all got on really well. I mean, Levi wanted to, we wanted to grow, as well as Fowler and Powell outside Fowler and Powell, um, the entrepreneurial spirit, I think it's called, and. Um, when we sat down with Lauren anyway, um, we, we obviously were all in, all in alignment with what we wanted. And that was A, to run, you know, a successful business. Um, B, to obviously, you know, the horrible cliche, which I'll use anyway, even though I hate it, is to not answer to a boss. Um, and number three, of course, to share what we know, our knowledge, our skill, everything we've built up. So even though we've not been an estate agent for really that long in the grand scheme of things i really do believe that you know a culmination of working with the best in the industry and you know being coached by you know the best and you know us just the way we are and the way we run our business i believe we are one of the best in the industry you know and i i, I think when we sat down we could really all see that we all shared that that common that, that commonality yeah. and as a result we thought well why don't we come up with a, a new strategy um, where we can share this in a way that's formulated, that's processed. And so we did. So that's where the home movement came from. Um, would you say that's an accurate description of how it started? Kind of. Um, the only part that is missing is at the beginning, we wanted to, to do the home movement, but we didn't follow on Powell. Okay. But with Fowler and Powell, we were at the point of, we were picking a new avenue where we could see ourselves in terms of the higher value homes market. So we were rebranding and we knew that if we gave agents 
um, a franchise, if you want to call it, yeah. who would have too much control over what they would be able to list. Okay. And it wouldn't be right because people would be in different areas and have different friends and different colleagues and whatever else. So you get different listings. And first, to have too much control over what they can sell and how they can make their own money yeah. was, was, yeah, it was too much to be within Fowler and Powell. So that's why we set up um, separately. And obviously, we joined forces with Lauren to then come together. That's when Julian's part kicks in. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And so this time around, you didn't get you didn't get the the loan and make your mum a director. <laughs> no, this time we left mum out of it. Um, got going, and we've invested. In, what's it called? Bootstrapping bootstrap the business so it's um, all all internal for now and you mentioned about the uh the higher end um so can can you can you talk a bit about that because there's it's it's a difficult market to some extent to to get into um and you mentioned about property value earlier the first listing of 140,000 so uh, for those on the call that haven't heard it in the accents uh, it is the the north part of uh, northern part of the country um so how how have you found that the the higher end the market? How's it compared to to what you you normally used to? Well, to make a long story long, with um the area that we're in, with there's a lot of homes that do fit that that criteria, I suppose, or that yeah that spec, and we've had to really get to know everybody in this area to make our name known. So because of that, we've we've kind of fallen into it further and further to make sure that we keep um we keep pushing ourselves but but delivering more value to our clients. What do you mean by that when you say delivering more value? So breaking into the higher end market, obviously it's not the easiest, but with where we are, there's a lot of properties that fit that criteria. So there's a lot of things that we do to make sure that we can get the best or get the most amount that we can from the best possible buyer for our vendors. And it's by helping their property stand out as much as we possibly can. Um, and I'll just say one of the things that we do, it's um, we always have A4 brochures, professionally printed. Um, and it's just something as memorabilia to give to the, the buyers and it also helps build like an emotional connection to the house. Yeah. Um, there's obviously loads more that's part of our process, but breaking into the higher end market, we find it, it yes, it's not the easiest, but it's just about making your processes as best you possibly can do, really, in the best interest of the vendor. So for everyone listening, um, Levi I want to expand on that, and Julian keeps kicking him in the shins, saying, no, don't give away too much. <laughs> Um, I did. So anyone wants to know, to message me personally. I have to be out of the area. <laughs> I also can't. So the listeners won't get the benefit of this. But um, looking at uh, so um, Levi and Julian are in a car recording this, and uh, through that sunroof, I can't believe the weather up north today. You've got it looks like that blue sky is photoshopped in. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, um, that's our photographer. Thanks. For that. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually just a picture. <laughs> Um, just just on the the brochure side, it's interesting you say that because um, I used to have um, uh, sort of glossy brochures done where where I was an agent, not to the standard I imagine of of what you guys do. But I think there was a point when you know there was a minimum order. I don't know about you guys, but it's a minimum order you would you could purchase when you do it. It got to a point where I was like, hang on a minute, I'm selling a house on 
let's say the first second third viewing and i've got all these brochures left over so it was like okay well when i actually go on to an appraisal or if i am door knocking someone or i'm sending a one-on-one letter something from the market it's withdrawn whatever it's like i'm going to include one of our really nice brochures because i think a lot of agents if it's professional photography twilight video brochures will just see it as an expense as opposed to an investment that you can actually repurpose yeah. so many times there's so much you can do with brochures like i say obviously the buyers are getting them but especially in this market if you've got a house for a million plus you're not going to get 25 viewings realistically yeah. so you will have some left over and it is about showing them off in different ways and yeah so again of course we repurpose them and reuse them in different different areas as well so I'm um, just coming towards the end of the podcast now. Um, I know uh, you've you've listened to a few episodes. So is there a question you're expecting me to ask you um, or something you, you're thinking, I wish you'd ask that? Um, damn, that's a good question, Sam. I've heard you ask that before <laughs> as well. What have, I, what have I heard you ask before you've not asked us? Um, quotes. Yeah, have you, quote. got a quote? have you got a quote each? Funny you should say that, Simon. I do actually have a quote. <laughs> <laughs> no, this, this isn't one that I've grown up with or anything, but I heard it um, recently. It made so much sense. And it was, um, if you wouldn't accept advice from someone, don't accept criticism. Yeah, I've heard that. I love that. I'd, yeah, I'd never heard it before, and I just thought that makes so much sense. So why would you get bogged down and, um, yeah, bogged down with and just have negative thoughts from someone who you don't really care about their opinion? Yeah, it's so true. I think there's a lot of voices and a lot of noise, isn't there, in this industry, and you could perhaps take some criticism to heart from someone, and you go, well, hang on a minute, I've never gone to them advice for for advice. So why would I I take criticism from them? No, I completely agree with that. What about you, Julian? No, I can't say I, I sort of live by any quote or, or anything like that. Um, His quote's YOLO. My quote is definitely not YOLO. <laughs> <laughs> it's Rolo. I love chocolate. No, I'm joking. Um, it's, um, I, I wouldn't say I live by a quote. I'd, I, I live by um, listening. I live by listening. Um, and I've practiced it. I've practiced, sorry, it so much that... Um, I borderline don't like talking much anymore, you know, and since, since you listen, you, you know, you, you actively listen. It's, it's known as, isn't it? Um, you, you grow so much and you learn so much and right. things just become a bit more interesting that way. It, it, and it's really interesting. You said that because you've said that. And I think of all the calls we've been on, I'm like, he is actually normally very quiet in the corner. Like, yeah. but it, it's so he's, actively he's, listening rather than just you know filling a, a filling an empty an empty space with just nonsense. Just you know listening and and being engaged in it. Sorry, Lee, about what you can say. Let's just call his quote two ears, one mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but just but just going back though, Rolos are they still a thing? I can't remember the last time I had a Rolo. <laughs> I hope so. I can't remember the last time I had a Rolo. You can definitely get the yogurts. Um, so oh, right, yes. last last question before we before I am going to do the diary CEO question cards on you. Um, on, if you if you started it all again, 
<laughs> what's, some, what's something you would do differently? Wouldn't buy a printer. <laughs> Wouldn't buy a printer? With all that canvas to be printed off. Um, no, ser a serious answer. Um, I would do... I would I would have our um niche down from the very beginning and go through all the touch points that we would have with our clients to maximize um their journey from the very beginning. Good shout. Julian, are you still listening? Are you just listening or are you going to participate? No, 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 no. I'll, I'll, I'll chip in. I'll chip in. Um, I'd, I'd probably, leave. I'd probably disagree with it if I know you at all. Well, sure, um, but I will, I, I would, I would say that I'd rather have had a high street office sooner. Definitely disagree with that. Yeah, I know you would. But since we've had a high street office, you know, I think you have to give changing something time and you need to give it a lot of time and, and even more energy and what we tried to do which a lot of agents are doing now is you know the hybrid way of working or even the online way of working but people like what they like and estate agents have a really bad habit of falling into the thought pattern of an estate agent you know and they think well because we're doing it it will be very easy to do and we had a first floor office, a back office, and we weren't on the high street for two years. And the business was tough. You know, it was it was good. Don't get me wrong, but it was tough. And as soon as we went into the high street, people like what they like, you know, who aren't estate agents, you know, and they like strolling past a high street office, seeing humans inside of an office, knowing exactly where they're going to be from nine to five on a daily basis. You know, that sort of thing. They like what they know. And when we opened our office, I feel like our business boomed. Um, and we, we, we went from strength to strength. And the office was just sort of like the cherry on top. So if we had done that sooner, I feel like we would have had more success sooner. One of the things, quickly, just to touch on, yeah, um, is that when we first started, we hear a lot of stories of when who's like super successful and know quite a lot of them. And... Almost all of them worked in the industry to the point where they were branch manager or area manager or area director or whatever else. So they've been known in their area or their patch for quite some time. Or they've got a business where they've got the money coming in so then therefore they're okay with, with being picky with different houses and whatever else. We didn't actually have that. So we weren't well known as individuals where we are. So when I say we've had a a standing start very much has been that not running not walking literally standing to get to know the people we need to know to then build our name reputation off that so the high street office i understand makes a difference because like julian says people see what sorry people like what they like yeah. and they will see that and associate it straight away whereas before it's been never heard of you yeah don't even know who you two are i think when <clears throat> When Julian was saying what he was saying, it it made me think of something I'd heard on another podcast, but you think of like taxis today and you get an Uber and people like use Uber because they can see where the taxi is. They know when it's going to get there. So it's that like certainty. And like, like I can go on Deliveroo or Just Eat 
why do I go on that app rather than ordering it directly over the phone from the Chinese, the Indian kebab shop, whatever? Well, the app's going to tell me when it's going to get there. Like as human beings, we we crave like certainty and we're really scared of uncertainty. So I kind of get if if I'm a ho- if I'm a homeowner in your area, what's my initial thoughts going to be? It's uh, who are the names on the high street that I've typically walked past most of my life. They're perhaps the first ones I think of of coming out to see me. So kind of at your standing start, that's where you, you've got to just like June said, work so hard on everything you do and, and be imaginative, be a di- be different to, to stand out, but also not forget what are the things that they're going to trust and, and like as well. So, yeah, I, I yeah. get that happy medium there. Right. End of the podcast. I have a CEO conversation cards. The thing that Levi's oh. been waiting for. He couldn't sleep last night. Let's <laughs> it. Let's go. <laughs> um, and okay, so this this is actually Chris Eubank Jr.'s answer. Uh, from a question he was asked by Tony Bellew. All right. And do you want to both answer the same question or have one question each? No, let's do one each because we can't have the other one having thinking time. Okay, right, Lee, <laughs> Levi, you first. Um, I was wondering what you believe happiness is and how it can be achieved. I very much believe um, happiness is like, from the pursuit of happiness, when he, when he gets the job at the very end and it's like, it's very, he says, my whole life or whatever he says he's been doing is for this very moment, which is happiness. And I believe it's very short-lived. I think it's just bursts. And it will last for 10 to 60 seconds, maybe. And then you come back down again. Um, So happiness for me is if you set yourself some kind of goal and you hit it. And it could be um, something as simple as start the business, but you want to spend more time with your family. And you work five days a week, let's just say Monday to Friday, and then one day you decide to drop Fridays and you go with your kids and you're with them and you'll have bursts of happiness because you'll relate it back to the goal that you've you've set yourself and then hit. But I, I genuinely believe that happiness is very, very short bursts of when you've you've hit a goal or got some really good news. Good answer. Uh, Julian, you're going to have a, li- a lot to live up to with your question my, my answer to that would have been playing golf golf course <laughs> um, uh, right okay I've actually not heard of these people so this was asked by Marissa Peer don't know who that is and it was answered by Marcus Buckingham so neither of those episodes I've listened to uh, but Julian the question is uh, <laughs> uh, tell me something about yourself that no one knows and would be surprised to know about you Oh God! <laughs> I mean, you can't you can't say the whole college wire man thing now. <laughs> well, you see, the thing about happiness. <laughs> um, tell you something on a podcast that loads of people listen to. Something about myself that nobody knows at the moment. Um. Oof. 
Levi's just desperate to drop some dirt on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that's a that's a really really tough question. That um, I could suggest something. No, 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 thanks. <laughs> My question. <laughs> Simon, just remember, you have to edit out the gaff. Yeah, so everyone's going to hear that, and this is raw, authentic. There's no editing. So, Julian, <laughs> if, you if you don't have an answer, I, I I want to ask a different end question, and maybe when I ask this and I'm going to get Levi to answer, you might think of something just to fill that incredibly awkward silence when people are like, is this podcast broken? Is my phone not working? Like <laughs> yeah. But Julian, keep thinking, and you might say, still don't have it. But Levi, something I want to ask you, yeah. obviously, mad decision to go into to business together, like uh, a, a leap of faith, but I completely get it with you two and the jokey like yin and yang and, and that kind of thing, because you complement each other so well. So is there any advice you'd, you'd give to any business partners who are listening to this podcast? Because like having been on this podcast, I'm like, I'm going to finish this podcast and I feel like really happy and lots of energy because of like the vibe you bring. So is there any advice you'd have for anyone who, who has got a business partner? Um, the tough thing with, with us two is that um, in terms of how we came together, we didn't really know too much about each other and how we were. It's, we kind of fell into it. But if you're going to go into business with someone, what I've realised between the two of us is your mindset has to be the same. Um, and you have to be very open-minded. So I've said before on another podcast that in terms of how we make decisions, it's always if one person feels stronger than the other about whatever decision we're trying to make, we go with that person. And it, it's very easy, like we're, like I said, open-minded enough to understand the other person's side of the story or why they want to suggest something. But if someone's stronger in their mind as to why they want to do something, then we'll just go with that. Um, so. Yeah, it, it's more going to business with a business partner. You have to have the same mindset. You have to understand that from the very beginning because we hear about so many people that have fallen out and split up and whatever else in in, in nasty ways. Obviously, if it's on good terms, then fine because obviously life can change. But um, initially, I think it's your mindset that has to be the same for yeah, sure. Cool. And Julian, anything you would add to that? Um, to be honest, Simon, I was. Uh quietly panicking about what I'm going to answer you got an the answer. first question. I you think got an so, answer. yeah. Come on, yeah. yes. Don't ruin this podcast, so, come on. I'm, I, I can't really say a lot of what went through my head first, so I'll stick with the the, the reasonable answer. Okay. So, probably something that a lot of people, if not everybody, don't know about me um, is that I can comfortably sit on the sofa for an entire weekend and not do anything. So I'll always give it the big spiel about drive, motivation, ambition, goals, reaching goals, waking up early, going to the gym, all of that good stuff. But I think, you know, something that barely anybody knows about me is that I love relaxing more than probably most, if not everyone. And I can relax until you'd think I'm dead. Yeah, I, I was not expecting that answer, um, but I, I actually think it's a refreshing answer because in this industry, 
we are like it's chest pounding isn't it and put on social media i got up at five o'clock i went to the gym i listened to a podcast i read a book you know i, I ran a marathon and i did a full day at work and then i went and you know did sports day with my kid or something and it's not actually it's glorifying all that like burnout whereas actually saying it's okay to just chill out all weekend and and switch off just yeah. just quickly the reason i'm laughing so much is because up until maybe the beginning of this year, end of last year, that answer could have been, I do wear other clothes other than a three-piece suit. <laughs> <laughs> Everywhere he went, he was in a three-piece suit. <laughs> there was even once in our community, we helped out quite a bit and we volunteered with a, um, what's it called, a sensory garden. Right. And I didn't tell him the full extent of what we were doing. And he came down in a three-piece The full extent? He didn't tell me what we were doing full stop. <laughs> so he came down, and obviously we took pictures and put them on social media. And I'm in, like, these rags. And this guy's got a three-piece suit digging <laughs> holes in mud. That, that is brilliant. That's from, oh, that is so funny. Um, good way to uh, end. Yeah, that's, a, that's a, a, a very good way to end. It made me think of, have you seen those, like, uh like stuff on instagram or tiktok when it's like it's like you uh for me golf it's like when you've got a tea time booked at 8 a.m and they lift the duvet and the guy's there in his golf gear like yeah, ready yeah, yeah. at the alarm at eight that's that's really <laughs> uh brilliant well look, I've, I've really enjoyed that guys thank you thank you so much for everyone listening um please do like subscribe review share the podcast reach out to levi and julian um as well um if you want to ask them any questions i'm sure they'll be happy to share but not share too much i don't want to give too much of their secrets yeah, away of course, um, but once again guys thank you so much uh, for being amazing guests really appreciate it no cheers nice simon. One. thanks simon